0: Hello oh, and welcome to a special edition of Hit the Lights Plus. I've got a very special guest with me today. I've got Louise Adamson. How are you?
1: I'm good, thanks, Gary. Thanks so much for inviting me on.
0: No, really, uh, really great to have you on. I've been uh, wanting to get in touch with you for a little while, so thank you for committing some time to come and speak with me.
1: No worries at all.
0: So, for everyone listening at home, would you mind just um, I'm sure probably many, many know who you are in in the electrical industry. but Would you mind just giving us a little bit about your story and your journey?
1: Yeah, so I guess, yeah, my journey into the electrical industry isn't really my story. It's my wee brother, Michael's story. You know, I was quite happily pulling along as an employment lawyer. uh, And then the evening of Thursday, the 4th of August, back in 2005, I get a call from my mum and dad. To say that Michael had been in an accident in Dundee, and it subsequently transpires that the accident that he's been in is an electrical incident at work, which resulted in his death. Um, So, Michael, he was a spark, he was working on a job in Edinburgh, Uh, he then got a call during the day that day to a a job his employer was working on up in Dundee and it's that all hands on deck we need everybody on site because we need to hand over to a client by 10 o'clock tomorrow morning otherwise our penalty clauses are going to kick in so you know Michael is engaged to be married at that point he's saving for his wedding uh is he is he wanting overtime through the night of course he damn well is so up he goes to Dundee with his colleagues um he around about I don't know 10 past 7 maybe at night he's working with his colleague Jim um, they're to connect up a security system they're needing to connect a cable that's already in place within a ceiling void to one they've pulled in Michael is up on a set of steps head and shoulders above a false ceiling shouts to Jim you know come and foot my steps for me then cuts and throws down a length of cabling which Jim bends down and picks up and he sees insulating tape wrapped around the cable and a label on it that says not in use and when Jim stands up he's kind of noticing that the false ceiling's rising a bit and he's shouting up to Michael you know Mikey you're leaning on that wire he then notices The ceiling rise even further, and then the ceiling collapses and Michael landed at his feet. And what subsequently transpires is that when that ceiling rose, that's when Michael was being electrocuted. So that, I guess, is where my journey into this all began. Um, It was a lengthy journey even to find out why that had happened to Michael. It took three years before the case against his employer company even got to court. So, you know, we we get snippets of information from the HSE, but then we have to wait until the trial to hear all the evidence to find out the details of how that came to happen to Michael and all the failures that had to come together in order for that to happen to Michael. So... You know, at the end of the day his employer is found guilty of health and safety offences and they're fined three hundred grand. But that doesn't bring Michael back, um, doesn't provide justice, doesn't absolutely provide anything in the way of comfort. So I now find myself talking about what happened to Michael and trying desperately to stop it from happening to anybody else.
0: So in terms of some of the failures then that led to the accident, what what um transpired to be some of the points of failure
1: so lots of different things came together so i guess the initial thing that happened was that plans got changed but written plans didn't change so you know they've got their wiring plans they they there's a there's a job prior to the one that michael's doing where a turnstile has to be connected up but when they come to connect up that turnstile they discover that the cable has been cut and left too short So that part of the job has become urgent. There's a turnstile engineer on site. He hadn't been expected to be on site. He's champing at the bit is how it's described to kind of get the power on. So a supervisor and the Spark have a chat about that. They decide we don't have time to run a new longer cable at the position L33, which is the one that should have been used for the turnstile. What we'll do, we'll use that spare L214. So the plans at that point changed, but nobody ever documented that change on wiring plans. Mm. And it became the case that the cable that Michael cut um, was L33. Uh, it was it was the fatal um, the cable that c- sort of produced the fatal shock. So there was there was no um, lock off devices on the site so you've got a method statement that says what it should um but no lock off devices are provided instead the practice on the site was to use more of your insulating tape pop it over your circuit breaker add your initials to say you're the one who turned it off Mm. so that's a fundamental failure um there were michael didn't have a voltage tester in his toolkit so it seems that he only had a multimeter available to him so you know we we don't know the process that michael followed at the point at which he cut the cable we don't know if he tested with anything um if it was his multimeter then what the hse inspectors were saying subsequently this sort of specialist electrical inspector from the hse he's saying that the if you have the multimeter set to wrong selection it would give you a false zero reading and he himself is saying you know I've done it myself I've done I've done that more than once that's not the piece of kit michael should have been using it should have been his proven voltage tester um so you've got that aspect of failure as well and then it's that whole thing of you know if he didn't test did he just rely on that not in use label Did he just Mm -hmm. kind of rely on his colleagues having done their jobs properly? Um, Did he use the cheeky wee shortcut that I'm still being told gets used by Sparks today that, you know, you cut through all three parts of the cable at the same time. If it goes bang, then you know it's live. Um, There's only then going to be damage to your snips. So the bang test, I keep being... Um, told it's called did he do that well if he did that it didn't go bang because Mm. he then went on to start stripping the insulating material so you know he's done the two bits of the cable he's then got to the live wire and it's energised to mains voltage of 230 volts and the HSE inspector says if he'd been holding his snips by the insulated grips at that point there'd be no effect but michael's colleagues were saying yeah but do you know what see in practice when we're doing the job that part of the job we've got our thumb on the metal part of the snips to get mm. the purchase necessary that we need to get that insulating material off yeah so it seems that that's what michael was doing and he's surrounded by metal work at that point you know he's got his thumb on the snips he's above this false ceiling, potentially leaning against the wire that suspends the false ceiling. And he's standing on a set of steps that aren't fiberglass steps, they're metal steps. So as a result of that, you get the path needed to create the shock path, which results in him having a heart attack. Um, So, you know, uh, for an electrical contracting company, these were fundamental failures, Um, failures to provide the right pieces of kit failures to keep risk assessments live, also a failure of effective management and supervision.
0: Yeah no, definitely, or, or, Yeah, they're all major failures aren't they, it's not as if you can um, you know cast one of them off as a, a minor incursion, they would all be severe, you know the first port of call for any electrician should be uh, a voltage indicator and a proving unit, um, that's the first bit of tool Kit you you need to do anything, isn't it? Um every other tool comes after.
1: Yeah, and the HSE inspectors said that, you know, it was the employer's responsibility to provide those pieces pieces of kit. Um and that the employer having like once they have provided them, if they provided them, because of of course my brother's employer didn't, but once you have provided those pieces of kit, then it's for the employer to make sure. That the sparks are actually using those pieces of kit mm. because that that's the other thing you know it's all well and good having the piece of kit but if it sits in your van or if it sits in your tool bag then it's not doing yeah the pr- pr- protective work that it should be
0: no exactly yeah i think one of one of the common ones as well that i've seen nowadays as well is that they get chucked Leads exposed, or the you know the tips exposed, chucked into tool bags, battered around, and not really maintained, recalibrated, or or anything like that. Um, yeah. So you care and attention needs to be paid to that because it, it's going to save your life, isn't it?
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Um. So some of the what were some of the impacts for you and your family, and obviously Michael's fiance.
1: There's a question and a half. Um. Yeah, I guess. You know, he was only 26 years old, Gary, at the end of the day. You know, he hadn't yet really properly begun to live his life. Um, He was meant to get married to Lisa on Easter Saturday 2006. Instead, we're at his funeral on the 12th of August 2005. So... You know, they had their plans for their family and they didn't get to create that family. Um, In terms of, yeah, you know, effects for us, there continue to be effects now. You know, it's more than 17 years on from Michael's death. We are now and it hits you in waves at different times, I guess, you know, sometimes there is just that general feeling of missing them, and then there's you know the past year or so my mum has been really ill and it's not having your sibling there to help with that to help support us through that so yeah people talk about the ripple effect of a death at work and that ripple continues um for an awful awful long time forever
0: yeah if you want to take a moment that's okay
1: that's okay
0: I think I just want to make sure that people understand the consequences
1: yeah and that and that's what I want to do as well that's why I talk about what happened to him you know people are always saying to me like why do you why do you put yourself through this and it's because it wakens people up to the reality of it you know um nothing's as important as getting home to your family at the end of the day that Michael was working on a sports store in a gym complex you know yeah there were penalty clauses that were going to kick in the next day for his employer this principal contractor maybe um but they were never going to get that job finished that night and so employers management teams need to wake up to what they're expecting of their workers um michael shouldn't have been put in the position he was put in that night
0: 100 percent yeah
1: and that's yeah that's 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 what we need to wake people up to is that yeah nothing is as important as your family and your health
0: yeah, amen to that. So you, you've obviously used this story, and you, you're you're taking his story um, on a journey now through the industry. Um, and I believe you've become a, a safety speaker. Is that right?
1: I have. Yeah, it's kind of fell into this, I guess. Um, not something anybody ever sets out to do. Um, but oh, trying to think now how long ago it was must have been about 10 years ago now. Um, I had, after Michael's death, I found out about a campaign group that had just been set up. So it was about a year after his death and this campaign group got set up. So it was called Families Against Corporate Killers. So a name properly meant to make people sit up and take a bit of notice. So yeah, FAC for short. Um, So I found out about these FAC families and i got in touch with them and through that i kind of grew the confidence to be able to speak a, a bit about what michael what has happened to michael um but more so i spoke about the other families because i found it difficult still to speak about what happened to michael through that i found out about scottish hazards which was another campaign group at the time which campaigned for better health and safety for workers and then the next stage from that is that one of the members of Scottish Hazards was a man called Ian Tasker who worked at the STUC at the time and he had their kind of health and safety remit so he'd been in for a visit at Babcock Rosyth at the dockyard where they were building the aircraft carriers and they'd had a run of electrical incidents there and Ian had said to their heads of safety that, you know, you should get Louise in to speak to the Sparks. Mm. And at that point, I'm going, there's no danger I'm doing that, Ian. Like, <laughs> I, I can't, like, don't, don't make me, you can't make me. <laughs> um But then, you know, I have a think about it and I'm like, at the time, the job I was doing as an employment lawyer was What was called a professional support lawyer so I was producing the training materials delivering training writing client updates all that sort of stuff so what I'm sitting with back then are four weeks worth of trial notes from the trial of Michael's employer so we sat through every day of evidence and I frantically scribbled down all the evidence that was given so I'd been sitting with those notes doing nothing for maybe four years at that point and so you begin to think to yourself, do you know well, actually, yeah, right, okay, I'll accept that challenge. I'll I'll pull something together from these notes and we'll see if it helps make a difference. So I went in to deliver Michael's story as was as a one off at Ross Eye Dockyard, um, yeah, nearly ten years ago now. And after I delivered it, I got asked by the head of health and safety if I would come back and deliver it to everybody on the site so it's kind of yeah it's it's grown from there really um and I have to say you know people are always saying you know how how can you do this but it is it's about the positive impact and it helps me it helps me deal with what happened to Michael because it helps us know that yeah, positive things are coming from the the thing that's absolutely crap that happened to to our family.
0: Yeah, no, yeah, definitely. I, I can I can empathise with that. And you, I understand you've also a, a Nibosh ambassador now, which is a um, a lovely honour.
1: Yeah, it's a wonderful honour to have. And I was I was lucky enough at the start of just this week actually to be asked to speak at the Nibosh graduation ceremonies in Birmingham. So this is them Mm -hmm. doing their kind of catch up from the COVID years when they weren't able to have their graduations. So it was so amazing to see hundreds of people there who are just committed to looking after their people. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, what I was saying to them in my address is that it's now for them to kind of grab hold of the pen and to write the story. They get to write the story for other families, which will mean that other families get to live their lives to the full. Um, you know, that get to to live out their happily ever afters, the happily ever after that Michael and Lisa they they didn't get to live out.
0: Yeah, like you say, that that's the ripple, isn't it? That it can cascade into everyone's lives, and it's it's exponential, isn't it? You you affect ten people, they infect ten, and. It just it just keeps going on doesn't it for for hopefully ever
1: absolutely yeah that's i said to them that you know they create the positive ripple and that they will join together and that ripple becomes a groundswell then and that is yeah that is the amazing thing out of what, what those people in that room do
0: yeah then that's brilliant uh, I, i'd like to um thank you for your time it's really um inspirational um how you've turned a, a tragedy into something positive um and you know, hopefully, those who are listening to this conversation, if you if you haven't thought about your safe isolation procedures, practices, what you're what you're undertaking, the equipment you have, go and have a look at it today, um, and make sure you and your your employer and everybody is behaving appropriately.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. Thanks, Gary.
0: No, thank you, Louise.